So according to my family, I was a creepy as F little kid. My mom basically refuses to talk about it and claims she prayed it all away. But I mean, who knows? I don't remember any of it myself. Most of my stories are from my older sister, who my mom would always talk about this stuff with. So anyways, I was around four and a half. My mom and dad had been trying for another baby for I guess around a year and a half, and it wasn't happening. So they basically stopped trying. My mom and I were home alone, one day, and she was in the kitchen washing dishes or something. From another room I walked in, went up to her, and hugged her stomach for a few seconds and then looked up at her and told her you're going to have a baby, and he's going to live to be as old as I am, then detached from her, and walked away again. She ended up being pregnant with my brother, who was then born with a birth defect that caused him to pass away when he was four and a half years old. That it, a few people asked for more, so here's another. So I had an imaginary friend, Jiawa. Quick side story, I actually used to have two, but according to my sister, Jiawa, got rid of the other one. Anyways, my mom wanted me to do something at my veggies, take a bath, something kids don't like, I don't remember. And I got upset and told her Jiawa was going to get her back tonight. She didn't think much of it, but the next morning, her whole right arm was bruised up, I guess with one even resembling someone's hand grabbing her by the arm. She has no memory of what happened, but my sister said my mom felt like she was in pain one more. I guess my mom and dad were in a rough patch and were seeing a counselor. The counselor told my mom that when she was really mad at him, to write letters and then throw them away. So one night she got me into bed, and then after a while started writing these letters. My dad worked nights. I guess they were in a big fight, so my mom wrote a good amount of letters that night. She would write one, crumple it up, and then throw it behind her into the trash. Fast forward to the morning. My mom was making me breakfast, and I was sitting at the table. There wasn't anything in front of me, no paper or anything. But I started doing these motions, like I was crumpling something up and throwing it behind me. She asked what I was doing, and I told her I was doing what she was doing last night, the night before she was in her room with the door locked. No way I could have seen. This happened a week or so ago. I don't know exactly what time it was, but it was dark. I live on a farm. I was walking home after putting our farm animals to bed when I passed an old, practically fallen down barn on our property. It's in bad condition. It nearly collapsed on my mother. Once upon a time, I glanced at the barn as I neared it and witnessed a huge, bulky, maybe winged thing duck away into the barn incredibly fast. Me, It seemed to me like it cowered away when I looked at it like it didn't want to be caught watching me. It was huge, seemingly too big to fit through the large open window at the front of the barn, where it appeared to be perched. Its eyes were tiny and glistening white. Once I saw the thing, I ran as fast as I could from my house. I felt a sensation that made me feel like something was rushing towards me incredibly, but never reaching me. That's the only way I can explain it. I still don't like going outside on my own when it's dark, and that barn freaks me out a bit. Once in a while, I hear noises from seemingly within it. It sounds like somebody setting down a pile of wooden planks over and over. It could be an echo from elsewhere on the property, but I don't know. I also feel like it may have just been my mind playing tricks on me, but it seemed too unnaturally real. 
I feel like the barn is watching me whenever I pass it. In the spring, or summer of 2003, 2004, or 2005, right after my retirement at the end of 2002, I started volunteering with the Leon County, Florida Red Cross. We had just received a federal state grant to assess the readiness of neighboring counties for any potential terrorist attacks. On these assessment trips, Red Cross personnel and volunteers, usually 10 to 20 of us, would travel in a rented Greyhound bus to the designated county. Our usual departure time was around 8 a.m. from Leon County. One particular morning, we were traveling east along I-10, and I found myself seated alone, slightly behind the middle of the bus on the right side, next to the window. I wasn't engaged in any activities, not reading, not listening to anything, nor conversing with anyone. As we journeyed through either eastern Jefferson County or western Madison County, my attention was caught by an airplane overtaking the bus from behind. It was a substantial jet airliner, although I couldn't recall any specific markings. The strange thing was, it seemed to be descending as if preparing to land. However, I knew there were no airports in that vicinity that could accommodate a plane of that size. Behind a tree line, the plane was fully visible due to the absence of any underbrush. I prepared myself for the worst, expecting a crash. However, as our bus advanced, leaving the plane behind, I neither saw nor heard any signs of a crash. It was perplexing, given that we were close enough to hear an explosion had one occurred. I looked around the bus, but no one else appeared to have noticed the peculiar incident. Everyone was engaged in their own activities, reading, chatting, or simply lost in their own thoughts. They chose not to share what I'd witnessed, not wanting to cause any unnecessary alarm. Later that evening, I recounted the incident to my husband and kept an eye on the news to see if there had been any reports of a plane crash in the area. My husband, however, didn't have much to say. I suppose he didn't want to offend me by suggesting that I might have been hallucinating, but I knew what I saw, and it remains an unexplained mystery to this day. It was a beautiful sunny afternoon and I decided to take my young children to a nearby cave for a little adventure. The cave was a popular spot known for its stunning stalactites and stalagmites, but on this day, we were lucky to have the place to ourselves. The Irish and Sea Cave were spacious and airy, allowing plenty of sunlight to filter in, illuminating our path. We made our way through, splashing in the occasional puddle, pointing out interesting rock formations and echoing our voices off the cavernous walls. The cave tunnel took about 30 minutes to traverse and ended in a small narrow exit. However, due to the muddy conditions, we decided to turn around and head back the way we had come. About halfway back through the cave, I noticed something unusual. There was a candle burning brightly, placed about 8 feet up on one side of the cave wall. My heart skipped a beat. I was certain it hadn't been there when we first passed through. I felt a surge of protective instinct. There was likely someone else in the cave, hidden in the shadows. I quickly gathered my children close, keeping them between myself and the cave wall. I tried to appear calm, not wanting to alarm them. As we cautiously moved forward, my eyes strained to penetrate the dimness, searching for any sign of movement. 
And then, just as we were nearing the mouth of the cave, we saw it. Silhouetted against the sunlight streaming in from the entrance was a massive figure, easily over eight feet tall. It was covered in thick, matted hair from head to toe, and it stood on two legs like a man, but its arms were much longer, reaching almost to its knees. For a moment, it stood there, unmoving, seemingly as surprised to see us as we were to see it. I realized then that we were staring at a creature of legend, a Bigfoot. The moment passed and the creature turned, disappearing into the dense forest surrounding the cave entrance. We hurried out into the daylight, our hearts pounding. We didn't stop moving until we had put a good distance between ourselves and the cave. Even now, years later, we still talk about that day, the day we ventured into a cave and came face to face with a creature from our wildest imaginations. It was a sighting that transformed an ordinary outing into an extraordinary memory. I was following my boyfriend to my college six hours hours away, so we were in separate cars. We go on road trips often, but this time we were traveling at night. We had just gone through Nicogdoches on our way to Hawkins, Texas, so it was a two-lane paved ride with no shoulder, only tall thick trees surrounding the road. It's pretty creepy at night on its own, to be honest. There's no cell phone signal, and no one lives there unless you're deep in the woods. You are pretty much messed if you get an accident late at night, because someone would have to drive up on it. It was 2.30 a.m., and we were talking to each other on the phone. I was leading us and going around 80 miles per hour with my brights on. I go down a steep hill, and suddenly an older, very tall, hillbilly-looking man and a wife-beater, and overalls is standing in the middle of my lane and staring at me. I don't break whatsoever and scream what the F-so. My boyfriend will know something is about to happen and back off. I've seen way too many scary movies to end up hanging by a hook in someone's cabin shed. Got me F up. I assume he could tell that I was just going to plow him, or maybe he hoped that I would swerve into the trees last minute. But he suddenly moved just barely to the middle stripes, so I miss him. We made eye contact when my lights hit his face and approached him and what I felt really can't be described. At that time, my boyfriend passes by, freaks the F out. We stopped driving that way, and we also stopped driving long distances at night. Only two explanations here. Creepy murderer or meth. was driving late night, around 2-3 a.m. in upstate New York, in a rural town close to Albany. I was with one of my exes at the time, and we were exploring some back roads around her house out because I'd never been in that area before. There was this large tree with a slight clearing around it on my left, with a large branch reaching out perpendicular to the road around six feet high. I noticed a blackish floating figure dart into the branch and then disappear. It gave me watery eyes and freaked me out for a bit, but I didn't know why. A second later, when I turned my head, there was nothing there, so I didn't mention anything to my ex, because I thought I would sound crazy. I felt a deep fear just looking at the tree, kept driving. About five miles later, after coming down the hill, my ex turned to me and said that someone had died in a motorcycle accident back on the hill years ago, and ended up getting decapitated. Chills ran down my spine, and I told her what I saw. She didn't believe me, so I said, let's go back, and I bet I can pick out the spot 
we turned around and drove back up the hill, and I picked out the exact spot it happened at. I don't really believe in ghosts, so this whole experience shook me up pretty badly for a bit. I live in an area with one of the most haunted cemeteries known to America. Back in 8th grade, we had the state history project thing, and I chose the cemetery. My dad had always told me about it, and how his friends and him used to go there when they were in high school, and how their teacher saw a ghost. One of the main stories is an orb of light that will chase you out of the woods. Little backstory on the cemetery itself. It's pretty well secluded off a major street. You need to travel down a trail in the woods to reach it. Two major things about this though is one, they stopped burying people there a long time ago, and two, the secluded nature and hauntings have become a popular site for people to perform satanic rituals. And not talking about painting upside down crosses everywhere, I mean dead dogs and dug up graves, it is now illegal to go in there. Nevertheless, my father took me to go one day to take a few pictures and whatnot. It was around noon when we went. We walked around and took some pictures, wrote some notes, etc. Nothing out of the ordinary. I was really hoping to find a ghost, though. One of the famous tales is a full-body ghost appearing midday. So after about an hour or so, my dad decides that was enough and takes us home. I was disappointed. I didn't watch anything. When we got home, I was still stewing over this. I wanted to find something. So I decided it was a bright idea to go back. My dad was busy around the house, and it wasn't odd for me to go out at that time saying, I was hanging out with friends, so I rode my bike back there. Camera in hand, I walked down the trail and got to the gate setting my bike down on a tree that had fallen on the fence. By this time, it was about six, sun starting to settle down. The trees around blocked all light though, so the only illumination was a dim light from the surrounding sky. At this point, I'm already thinking, this is a bad idea. I still remember my knees beginning to physically shake if I stood still. Stupid me, though, still thought to go further in the cemetery, though. I walked around a bit more until it became too much and I had to get out. I turned around and sped walked it back to the front gates where I left my bike. In the tree was a knife jammed into it right by my bike, which I knew I would have seen. I don't think I've ridden a bike so fast in my life. The trail was so uneven and mangled I crashed and still have the scar on my leg. Never told my parents, said I fell in the street or something. I only went back one other time with a group of my friends in high school, and I made sure I was with a majority of the group the entire time. I house at my brother's place one summer while he and his now wife took their camper cross-country. They lived deep in the hills of Western Mass, down two miles of dirt road, in a tiny cozy creepy hunting cabin built in the 1700s. No neighbors for at least a mile in any direction. It was lovely, booming stereo system, outdoor hot tub, the kind of place a 20-year-old could host two weeks of weed and acid-fueled group six. And then, after the first two weeks, I was burnt out. I needed a break. A couple buddies came up to BBQ and smoke, and then I was alone with my little family. Two dogs, four cats, in the middle of nowhere, totally alone. I popped in a movie, cranked the stereo, and zoned out. All of a sudden all the pets got up in unison, 
and rushed to one of the windows. No barking, no panic, just a creepy group trot to go, stare, out into the darkness, and then suddenly to another window. Uh, I flipped on the outdoor floodlights, which just reinforced the darkness of the surrounding woods. It was on the second floor, but it was hardly reassuring. Putting on a thriller was an unwise choice. Just as my brain was processing the fact that there were no locks on the doors, something hit the house. Hard. Womp. The entire old structure shuddered, and my stomach churned. There were black bears out here. But it didn't sound like a black bear. It sounded like a 20-foot pillow had hit the house. They couldn't tell what side it came from. I hit the off button on the stereo, and crept toward the window when suddenly, again, Womp! Pictures shook. Something fell over in the little TV room. The pets were still nonchalantly all looking out at nothing, seemingly unfazed by the noise. I waited, now ready to piss myself. I didn't have a car up here, just a smallish motorcycle. And even then, I didn't want to go outside. High as all get out. I decided to call the local cop, who was unimpressed by being woken up to hear my shit. Well, what do you want me to do? You don't see anything outside. I didn't. Just dark woods. Did I want him to come out? I had so much weed up there. He sounded relieved when I said I'd wait it out. If it gets dire, call the state barracks. Okay. Night he mumbled. It didn't happen again. I didn't sleep. Huddled in the TV room, with a .22 pistol, paranoid, absolutely freaked out. I waited till dawn. Whens when the sun came up, I ventured out. Nothing but a sparkling June morning. I made sure I had at least one friend up every night for the rest of my stay. When I was maybe 14, my friend and I were walking the paths in the woods behind his house, and most of the year there was the lake, really just a big puddle, maybe 20 feet across, 5 feet deep, and more or less stagnant with a path that went around one edge of it with the path continuing on the other side. This particular day, we went that way, and the lake was empty and dry, not that it was full the previous day. Maybe it was a drought, or just the time of year, or whatever. Not the spook part. There was a yellow tent, all ripped up and only partially standing, with broken camping gear near it. Coleman lantern, camp stove, that sort of thing. 3. Again. This was maybe 1,500 feet back in the woods in a medium-sized town in Massachusetts. The spooky part was that, in front of the tent, there were symbols carved very, very precisely in the dirt. If you've seen a dried place that's usually underwater, you know the sort of hard, smooth dirt that the mud dried into. The symbols weren't drawn, like with a stick. They were maybe an inch deep, and had sharp, clean edges like a trenching machine might dig, but an inch wide and an inch deep. A couple years later, I found myself a copy of the Lesser Greater, Key of Solomon, and I got chills. I didn't recognize any of the symbols in particular, but they were certainly in the same vein. I saw a gray wolf type animal, just standing on its hind legs, on a sandbar up the river, about 1,000 foot away. I watched it for at least two minutes. I thought it was a man, or that I was seeing things, but it turned and I saw the profile of its long nose, and I ran for my life. My dog did too. And the whole time I was running up out of that mountain valley, I was convinced I was dead. 
I was pretty far out, and I never went back. I was at my summer house in the Swedish archipelago, and while it's not that secluded, it's quite sparsely populated. Anyways, one night I was out taking a piss before going to bed, and then I hear a baby crying out. At first, I thought it was one of the kids from the house down the hill, and I looked at that house and noticed that there was no car parked up front and no signs of someone being home. I did not get much sleep that night. In April of 2015, I moved to Junction City, Kansas after recently being married in March of that same year. I married quick and young to be with my partner at the time while he was stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas. I was born and lived my life before this time on the East Coast, so moving to the middle of the country was a huge change in my life. I was a senior in college, and I left before graduating to go be with him. He told me that it was not a real relationship unless I was living with him. Even though I have family kind of spread out throughout the states, I did not have any family in Kansas or in the nearby states. The first few months of living in Kansas was a shock to my system. The person that I married changed drastically, and I felt like I did not know the person I just decided to move halfway across the country to be with. The relationship quickly became abusive, and as the months went by, I was scared and felt that I was trapped. I could not reach out to talk to anyone about what was going on. I would be threatened and with his stature of being in the military, and that no one would believe me. My family was also threatened during this time. If I reached out to them, either I would get hurt or they would. The only reason I have mentioned this part of the story is to provide some background details that I think are important for the real story in this comment. I felt like I had nowhere to go, and on nights where I did not want to be home, I would get in my car and drive to a nearby lake. The lake was called Milford Lake, and it provided me comfort since I grew up near a town with that same name. When I did not feel safe, I would go to this lake and would look at the stars. If I tried to go to a hotel or motel, my cards would be traced and he would go there looking for me. I first was introduced to this lake when we were required to go to this mandatory, fun outing for his workplace. Since then, I'd always go to the same spot, depending on how you were getting to the lake. There were two ways to get to this spot. The way I would typically go would take me on a drive over a dam that was high up. On one side there was the lake, and on the other was land, and a couple more spots of water. It was a long straight ride, and I would turn left to go down the slightly slanted rocky road that led down to this area that led into a circle. There was covered picnic seating on the right when driving by, and there was a little playground on the left in the circle of the small rock path and parking was usually more forward. There was a bench that I would always sit at. This was a great spot to look over the water. And to the left, you could see the dam with the road that was used to get there. Looking more left, you could see some small wooden areas that were far off and were at the base of the dam. Looking to the right was water and lots of trees. This area was not lit at night. And to be fair, I was not supposed to be there after a certain time. I was told only once by a park ranger to leave, but other than that, the area was pretty isolated when the sun would go down. And one night in the year 2016, I did not want to go home after work, and after picking up some food, 
went to the lake to watch the sunset. I did this often, and would take time to calm down and enjoyed being by myself in the quiet. There was a couple other people nearby in their cars, but left once the sun went down. At this point, I went for a drive to kill some time, until it got darker. I never have seen the stars, so clearly as I did in Kansas. I really loved this about the area. Around almost midnight, I drove back to the lake and drove down the small rocky path past the picnic area on the right, past some parking spaces and parked about five feet to the left of the bench that I would sit at. In my car, I had a blanket that I would use to put down on the ground to lay down to look at the sky, so I grabbed that and walked to an area that was about ten feet away from my car to the right and laid down the blanket on the cement ground. I did not like to go into the grassy area in the middle of the circle cause the ground would dip in places, and I did not want bugs crawling on me. Every ten minuets or so, I would sit up and would look around, checking to see if there were any cars or animals, and if I didn't hear anything, I would just scan the area and would go back to sitting or laying down to check out the sky. We were about forty minuets into stargazing. I had an uneasy feeling and sat up. Once again, I scanned and didn't see or hear anything so I started to look at the sky again. Only a few seconds after looking at the sky, I felt that feeling again, but it was stronger. I stood up and looked around the area this time, and my left, far away near the base of the dam with the road on it, I noticed some movement. At right this point, I was not scared but became cautious of that. I've encountered deer in this area before, and believed that this was probably one of those instances. The wooded area was also far away, and because of the distance, I did not feel like it was a threat. Even if it was a coyote or something similar, I told myself that I would look back over once the song that was playing on my phone was done, and would adjust from there and sat back down. Well, before the song could finish, I felt something that I haven't felt before. My stomach dropped, and I felt fear. True fear, and as soon as I went to grab my phone, I heard clear as day move. I jumped to my feet and immediately looked to the base of the dam near the wooded area, to my left. Nerys, the figure that I noticed was closer than it was before, and at this moment I knew that it was coming for me, that it appeared to be on a beeline to where I was. The amount of distance that this figure covered in the short amount of time startled me, and I quickly grabbed the blanket and bundled it up with my right hand inside of it and started unhooking my keys from my belt buckle to hold in my left. I started power walking to my car. For some reason, I did not run. And I did not want to run, and let whatever it was coming out of the woods to see that I noticed it. While trying to present as much as a clam demeanor as I could, I focused on my car and did not want to look at what was in the distance. That is when I heard the sounds of rocks being stepped on that were not my own. Once again, the area that I last noticed, the figure was in a grassy area, and it was about halfway from the base of the dam on my car. The fact that I heard something on the gravel meant that it traveled over 75% of the distance from the dam, and was now almost equal distance from where I was to the car. My car was in the middle, and we were both walking right towards each other. I looked up to gauge where the animal was, and what I saw was not an animal. I do not remember seeing any fine details of the figure. It was completely white, and in my memory, it was tall and walked very rigidly. I cannot recall any face structure or even clothes. 
I do not know how to convey the feeling of dread and terror that I felt in that moment. Even as I type this, my heart hasn't slowed, and I had to take a few breaks and come back that quickly looked at my car and started to almost run to my car's door. While I was approaching my car's door, I could see the figure in the corner of my eye and noticed that it was still moving the same way as it was doing before. It did not make any sounds, it did not break into a run, it did not lunge at me. I threw the items I was holding into the back once I opened the door and turned on my car. As soon as my headlights turned on, the figure was within 10 feet of my car and was in front of it. I threw my car into reverse and while backing up, I saw that the figure now broke into what appeared to be a run toward me and I pressed on the gas and took a left to go back up the rocky path that I used to get down. And while I was driving up the path I looked in the review mirror and could see that this figure was now running after my car. And I still do not recall anything that the figure was wearing. As soon as I got up the rock path and was on the road I drove as fast as I could to get away from that area and when I looked back I did not see the figure. That night, I did not go home. I didn't know what to do and had a massive breakdown while shaking in my car and crying. I drove straight to a Walmart that was over two hours away and stayed in the parking lot until morning. I thought that I was having a moment of psychosis from all the stress that I was going through in this time in my life. So, I have played this over in my head countless times and still I'm not sure what happened that night. I never felt that feeling of terror again. And now I never go anywhere alone late at night. For years I have had nightmares of that white figure following me from the woods. I genuinely could not explain it and thought that I was crazy. And it didn't feel normal. And I never spoke about it until a few years ago to my partner. He told me to look up killer clowns in 2016 and said that the area that I was in at the time had sightings. I don't remember what the figure I saw was. And even if it was a person, that means that they were standing at the base of a dam late into the night and waited by themselves for a person to be alone. I also couldn't make sense of the distance that was covered in that short amount of time. It was very difficult for me to write this story. This was the most terrifying moment of my life, and I can't make sense of it. I no longer live in Kansas and am a name no longer married. That being said, I still do not feel safe when alone in nature.